Okay, it's 12.20 at night, and I'm going to do this video because I can't stop thinking about it. And now that I'm looking at my microphone, I'm really realizing how many fuzzies are on it. Hi, my name is Travis Myers, and this is Hometown Hollywood. If you are listening to this on the podcast, uh, this is the first episode that I'm doing in video format, and I don't know if it's going to make any sense in just the podcast, so if it is available to you, you may want to go over to YouTube and check it out there, because I'm going to be breaking down one of the commercials I've shot, and it wasn't the highest budget commercial in the world. I think I was able to get a couple shots that I really like. Um, but for the most part, it was very scrappy. It was me, my friend as a PA and also set decorator, which we didn't know he was going to be that at the time. But he ended up doing that because he did do that in Hollywood for a while. Uh, and then my wife, who helped me. So three-person crew, and we had one day to shoot everything we needed to shoot. We needed to shoot several commercials worth of material. This is very local commercial style. Um, it is not the type of commercial where we get all the crew. We get everybody from all over every corner of Instagram, and everybody's posting pictures about this moment, and all the cool kids are coming together. This is not this. This is not what this was. But... What I like to do with my company, Bronco Media, is I like to make every video that I make look like it cost about 10 times more than it actually did. So for what we had available, I'm satisfied with how this turned out. In hindsight, I see some things that I would definitely do differently. So that's why I'm doing this. So uh, we can learn together and you can learn from my mistakes so you don't have to make them. I don't know if I've shared this yet, but I am in my garage, if you're watching this visually. Um, can you watch it with your ears? Maybe metaphorically. Um, I've got everything you could ever want here. I've got a book light. I've got some neg fill. And I'd like you to take a moment to look behind me. And you'll see some unbleached muslin. And really, the reason I put that there was so you internalize that behind every good shot is some unbleached muslin. Uh, I'm going on tangents, but let's get into the commercial. It's why you're here, hopefully. Maybe it's not. I don't know why you're here. Um, I'd also, okay, last thing before I really get started is I've been away from the podcast for a while. Because I went full-time freelance, and it's kind of kicking my butt a little bit. I'm starting to feel it. That is why I've been away for months. I have a podcast recorded with a very talented individual. His name is Joey Deutsch, or Joey VFX. I'd like you to follow him now. Uh, he's worked. He works sometimes with Film Riot. He's done some really incredible stuff, and he's a young kid who's just 
insane at what he does. But that is why I have been away. And I might continue to be away until I kind of find a flow with this life. Anyway, um, we're going to break down a commercial I made, which is... I spent a lot of time thinking about this title. Sean Hare for Orange County Commissioner. So let's go shot by shot, and I'll break down exactly what I did, exactly what I didn't do, and how I think I could have made it a little bit better the next time, or if I had more people or more budget to work with. Um, So let's get into it. First shot, we got a hand, a gloved hand, gripping some hay. Um, I live in a pretty rural, I can't say that word. Um, that's the only time I'm going to try it. Community, very Southern. And the goal of the commercial was to show hardworking man for the hardworking people of Orange County. Um, so the client who was running for Orange County commissioner, uh, has some cows, and uh, his campaign person said that it'd be great for him to show that we have cows. Now, I also go into um, <clears throat> go into this saying that all of these shots were found on the day. Uh, I didn't do a great job as a director saying, uh, I want this specific shot and this specific shot and this specific shot. All of these, except for the last shot in the video, um, well, that and the interview shots, all all of these shots were taken kind of in the spur of the moment. Uh, See how I use that Western language there. Uh, Sometimes I also tell terrible jokes if you haven't realized that from other episodes in the podcast. So the goal was to show that... This guy is a hardworking man for the hardworking community, which he is. He's a great guy. Um, so he was going to go feed his cow or his bull, his animals. And so uh, really all I did for this shot was I had him take the hay from his barn, which I knew I couldn't light, and he didn't want to show some parts of it. So I had him take it out into a little bit in front of the barn to where I knew it would be backlit. Backlit is very important in lighting because you have a lot more control and you're also, your shadow's not going to be in the shot. Uh, I can go in a lot more detail about that, but just know that backlight is important. Uh, If you're watching this, you probably already know that. Um, So anyway, all I did was position this little hand movement to be backlit. I was using my Ursa Mini 4.6K before I upgraded to the 4.6K Pro G2. So I had a matte box and some ND, drop-in ND filters. Those really saved the day. This would have a whole bunch of flares, which you might want, but I didn't want that for this. Kind of wanted to be more clean. And I'm using, I was using the Sigma, I think I used the 50 and the 18 to 35 throughout the whole thing. So a lot of people don't like the greenish flares of the Sigma lens, which I'm using now, which that's fine for this kind of content. 
but uh, I don't really like the way it flares, so I kind of try to hide it. Uh, but that is all I really did for this shot. There was no bounce. There was no neg. I think I was wearing black. I was wearing black. And that may have been the only neg in the shot. And then I just colored it in a way to make it look more grungy or dark and moody and hardworking. And when I did the camera movement, I tried to follow the motion. There was a great episode of Epic Light Media... Uh, we've had Thomas Manning on the show before, and he's the host of Epic Light Media, the YouTube channel. Uh, don't subscribe to them. They don't need any more followers. No, go and subscribe to them because they have the greatest content ever. If anybody asks me lighting questions, like how do I get started in lighting, I send them to their channel um, because it's just great stuff. Uh, well, He has an episode on B-roll and what you need to be looking for, and that's really how I made this commercial was uh, that episode of B-roll. You want to get a wide shot. You want to get focus on their hands. Any action, you want to get multiple parts of it so you're not just getting random clips. You're creating a scene. And that really helped because this commercial was basically made out of nothing. So I was trying to create a, a little scene of a movie with my B-roll. I wasn't just getting random clips. I wanted to tell the story of him grabbing the hay and going into the pasture and walking into uh, where he feeds his cows. Um, so that was the goal there. Uh, I would recommend you check out that video. It shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, but also in the hand movement, when he's grabbing it, I made sure that the camera was also following the movement. I didn't want it to look super static. And really, that's some of the best advice I can give as far as camera movement. I don't think I'm the best camera operator, but just follow the action most of the time. I think that's more important than just having the shot look cool, but follow where you want people to look. Anyway, I probably didn't explain that very well, but that's all I did for this shot. We'll go into the next shot, which is behind the back, pushing through the gate. It is very dark, very moody. Um, I did nothing here as well. I just took the shot. It was underneath a giant oak tree. Uh, I knew with what I had available, which was a bounce board that was like this big. I should have had like a 4x4 four four bounce at least. But because the shadow was so far away and we had to get this shot pretty quick, um, there was just nothing I could do here. And I thought it looked kind of cool because it's dark and you can see him, but you kind of can't see him at the same time. Um, so, yeah, I just followed him behind the back shots. People walking always looks cool and dramatic commercials. I shot all the B-roll in an off-speed recording of 48 frames a second while the project was in 24 frames a second because I knew that I didn't have access to a Steadicam and my Ursa Mini doesn't fit on a gimbal, or at least not the RS2 that I have and can't use because I don't have a camera that fits on it. Another bad investment. It's one thing, if you learn anything from this uh, video is... Don't make stupid investments because I am very good at that. 
So I shot everything half speed because I knew from my wedding background that if you shoot wide and you shoot slow motion, it's easier to fake that you are getting smooth shots. If you're walking with a camera, it's going to be pretty shaky unless you slow it down. The more you can slow it down, the smoother it's, you can fake it to be. This is not the best way to do it. This is what I had the budget and the time for. I didn't even mind a little bit of roughness to the camera because it's out, once again, out in the country. It goes with the, the theme, hard-working country roughness. So that is like the inspiration or the reason behind the camera movement and the shots being slow. Okay, the next shot is the interview, or at least the A camera of the interview. And what we did here is I got my PA, Calvin Welch, who is awesome. Uh, He was just supposed to help me for the day, but because our client had a really fancy home with a lot of different I don't know, antique knickknacks all over the place that he had gotten from his family and had been passed down forever. Uh, Calvin went crazy with the production design, and I love him for that. Uh, He worked in L.A. on some pretty big shows as like this big production design assistant, Um, and he just... He, he was in his element, and so I just let him go for it, and he made sure every little item was in its place and uh, moved everything, which is running back and forth and wearing himself out. Uh, I'm so glad he did that. So he really, uh, one, he's probably, if he's watching this right now, Calvin, you're probably thinking, man, Travis did such uh, a terrible job in the production design of this video, and you'd be correct. Because I don't know the first thing about it. I just know you want a practical and you want some other stuff to break it up. So, boom. This is what you got. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people who are still listening to this on the podcast. But, yeah. I'll try to be better at describing what's happening in the image from now on. So, in this image, we have an interview. And there is a formula to interviews. And I see a lot of people... And it drives me crazy. A lot of people who do it wrong, and there's times when you can do it wrong, uh, but there is like a standard way to at least start how an interview should look. Um, I see people who do camera, interviewer, camera, and it just it breaks the 180 rule, some basic rules of filmmaking, And it just freaks me out. I I saw one video the other day and somebody had done that. I thought, like, am I watching an interview from a different room? Because it looks so different. It was jumping the line. And if you do do it this way, I know I could be explaining this better. But interviewer, camera, camera. And as you get further away from the interviewer, you are increasing the focal length of the lens. So, like... Going a step up, you can go further. I mean, these rules can be broken, but this probably should be your base point for most interviews. And then you want to shoot into the shadow side of the face. So that's what we did here. Uh, we had a 35 millimeter lens on camera A and a 50 millimeter lens, I believe, or it may have been 50, 85. I'm not 
I don't really remember. But we went a step up on the lenses. We tried to do the Roger Deakins Cove light where you have these big white um, boards and you just bounce light onto them and use that as your key. Looks very flattering. For some reason in this location, I just don't think we had enough light to work with to make that work. So this was just the, I want to say the Forza 300 with an aperture lantern that was just on there about 45 degree angle at the talent. And then we had a quasar tube behind him for a little hair light. And then in the background, you can't really see it that well, but we do have the Forza 500 punching through the window on the right side of the image uh, with the Fresnel attachment, and that's supposed to be like the sunlight coming in. The sun was actually on the opposite side of the house. Uh, it wasn't coming through that window at all. So if it looks like real sunlight, then yay, the light did its job. Um, what I would do differently is I kind of wish that the light on his face looks kind of digital and clinical. Um, I would try to soften that up a little bit more. And I guess the way to do that is have a brighter light or a light that is capable of being brighter. And then you're able to diff diffuse that more so the source is wider. Or just have a larger source light. I really want one of those IntelliTech mega light cloths that are just like this giant five foot soft light that you don't need any room to make. Those things look like a dream come true. I see them used a lot in behind the scenes of news interviews, especially the COVID news interviews where they're like a hundred feet apart. Um, I wish I could have made that softer, 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 and I wish I could have, uh, I don't have bicolored lights. I probably would have made it a little bit more tungsten because it kind of looks, it looks like it's lit a little bit. It doesn't look supernatural, but it looks decent. It looks appropriate for what this commercial is. The next shot is B-roll of his house. He wanted to show our B-roll of photographs in his house. He wanted to show that his family's been here for generations. I don't know if I did much lighting here except for tell my uh, production assistant, Calvin, to hold up a quasar tube um, in some sort of direction so we have a little bit more light on the image because it was pretty dark in the house. Um, I feel like I could have done this better. I'm not exactly sure how. Maybe doing every DP's nightmare and shooting a ton of light into the ceiling. But then again, I think the ceilings were brown because they were like a wooden ceiling. So I don't know if that would have worked that well. But um, if you have ideas on how to light things like this, let me know in the comments. Send me a message. I'm open. I'm here to hear you. Because I hope, <clears throat> as much as I hope, hope that this helps other people so they can see, learn from my mistakes and a couple of things that I did right. I also would like to learn from you, which is a big reason why I'm doing this. So feel free to send me comments and suggestions. Uh, I may bring those out in other videos. So I thank you in advance. All right, now we're on the, the angle the, of the B cam. As you can see, it's 
further away from the interviewer. It's a step closer. And I think this one looks a little bit better than the wide. One thing I, I look for or in my interview shots is that you can see the little glint in the eye. Sometimes I'll accidentally put my light, or I used to do this more often. Now I'm, I look for it and every time I do an interview, but I put my key light too high and you couldn't see any sparkle in the eyes and they would just look lifeless in the shot. And so when I realized, oh, that's a problem, uh, I started making sure that when I zoom in, I can see the little reflection in the eye because it gives the person so much more life. Even if it's a dark shot, if you can see the reflection in the eye, it gives it a little bit more life. One thing I forgot that I may have done here is I like putting a bounce board underneath the person. And maybe it doesn't play at all in what the lighting looks like on the, on the face, but it seems like it gives a little bit more life underneath the eyes and you can see like the color of their eyes a little bit better by using that underneath bounce. And I have just like a four by four styrofoam bore that I got at Home Depot or um, I probably used the circle one here if I did use it, but I have another one that's four foot diameter circle bounce that I'll use to just put underneath the person. It may lift the shadows underneath here just a little bit or underneath the eyes, but it's really just so you get a little bit in the eye right there so you can see a little color and they look a little bit more alive. Um, that's really the only tip I have. I'm realizing that I need to be describing that as if no one can see what I'm doing. So once again, uh, podcast listeners, you might want to be tuning in on the YouTube channel. All right, next shot, hand grabbing the hay. We're continuing with our story of feeding the cows and uh, did nothing here as well. And here's um, a little tip. If you don't have a Steadicam operator and you're shooting slow motion, even if you shoot at like 18 millimeters, this is probably 35. The depth of field is a little bit too shallow, I think, to be to 18 millimeters. But it is six, uh, Sigma 18 to 35, probably at 35 millimeters. I was trying to walk as smooth as I could in a cow pasture, which doesn't happen because if you've ever walked in a cow pasture, I was raised on one, uh, there's holes everywhere from when it gets wet and the 6,000-pound cow. <laughs> That's a huge cow. Um, a cow that would not exist, I don't think. Anyway, when that foot goes into the mud, it's just punching holes through the whole pasture. And so you, you've got the least smooth, flat surface you've ever been on. Uh, so I was tripping and stumbling. I probably rolled my ankle while shooting this. Uh, I was trying to walk backwards. But because I was shooting in slow motion, trying to make it look dramatic, I was able to pull about a second or two of what I used. And you would think, oh, he only used a, a second of the shot because that's all he needed. No, that's all I got was a second or two <laughs> of usable uh, shots from this. So I'm glad the pacing was fast. I knew the pacing would be fast. So I knew it would be it would work. But if you needed a long shot and you're doing some kind of narrative short film, 
this probably would not work of just manhandling the camera or woman handling. Anyway, so I just moved backwards. I'm on the shadow side of the talent here and just trying my best to be smooth, even though it really wasn't. But the slow motion here saved me. Uh, thank goodness. And so I move from the hand. I follow what it says in the Epic Light Media B-roll video, which you should check out as I go from the hand. I go from his face. I go from his feet. I don't know if I showed his feet, but I did shoot it. And when we see this face, the shot of the face, it is very dark. It is backlit. You can't see the sun. A lot. Uh, there's a lot of depth in the shot. So there's a lot of things that I really like about this shot. Um, the only light that you see on his face is, once again, a bounce board that may be two feet by two feet because that's all I decided in the rush to get this shot because we needed to leave. Uh, just grab that thing because you'll be able to take it out to the pasture. It won't be very cumbersome. And just use that. Get right next to him. It was not enough. Uh, this shot is too dark, in my opinion. If I were to do it over, I would at least have him bring out the 4x4 four four bounce uh, and aim it at him. This is very moody, uh, which in some cases could work. But I really wish I would have had like a stop or two more of light there um, because of the type of commercial this was. And once again... This is another thing. Because I was doing slow motion, I was able to pull a second or two of usable footage. That's all I had <laughs> because I didn't have a steady cam operator. And that's when you know that if I need to get a big long shot like this, I need to put a steady cam operator or steady cam person in the budget because any longer than this, it wouldn't have worked. Um, I also like that there was a car moving in that shot so you see a little bit of shiny bokeh bokeh in the background moving for a little bit more interest i would love to say that was intentional that was my wife driving down the street in fact i will say it and it's your choice to believe me or not more shots of inside of the house photos once again i may have pushed the quasar tube into a wall or something because it seems like you can see a little bit uh, the reflection of a shiny wall in this picture. Uh, when you are lighting shiny, shiny objects, you have to know that you're really not lighting the object. You're lighting the reflections of the object. And that is kind of a hard thing to grasp. It took me a while to get. But uh, when I worked at an ad agency, one time we had to light a giant metal object uh, it was a stainless steel on every side. It was this big. Uh, and it was pretty daggum difficult because we'd shine lights at it in every direction and nothing happened. Uh, but what I noticed I was seeing is I was seeing the reflections on the stainless steel. So we surround it. What we end up doing was surrounding every single bit of it in white, uh, white paper. We used like a whole football field worth of white paper to light this 6,000-pound thing. 6,000 pounds seems to be my favorite weight measurement of today. Um, but because what the lighting we were doing is just what was reflected by the white paper all around the object, and we were able to take some product shots with it that way. 
Um, so the same thing with the reflections of these photos. You're not really going to see the image if you light it. It may look terrible if you light it directly. But if you light the wall, you may see the reflection of the white wall, but that will look like you're lighting the photo without actually lighting it. Anyway, if you have an idea of how to do this better, let me know in the comment section or send me a DM. Hit me up there. All right, hey shot. I don't think I did anything here. I just had him backlit. Same thing as usual. I didn't want my production assistant carrying the bounce board to get in with the bull because I didn't know the temperament of the bull. So we didn't bounce anything here. But I believe in the next shot, yes, the next shot, I had him move down the fence where there wasn't an animal. Actually, I I grabbed the bounce board because there was an animal now that I remember. <laughs> there was a calf in the stall here, but it wasn't the bull. So I didn't want to make my production assistant get in there. So I would had him operate here. I just said, point it at him. And Calvin knows what he's doing, so I trusted him with it. And so I grabbed the bounce board, and I was like, okay, I can see where the light is hitting. And this is very important. That a lot of people just bounce, and they think, okay, more light. That's all it needs. I can light from underneath. I can light from the side. As long as I'm getting light on him, it's good. False. Terrible. What I'm trying to do when I bounce is I want to get, I want to bounce towards him, yes, but I want to make sure I'm not bouncing underneath unless it's completely necessary because I don't want to have light bouncing up his nose. Is that flattering? I don't think so. But if I'm lighting a face and I'm shooting on the dark side of the face, there's going to be a cheek nearest me, the near side cheek. I just want to hit that when I'm lighting them, at least with the key light. This goes for whether I'm bouncing or not, but I just want to hit that a little bit. And so that's what I was going for. This image in particularly, or in particularly, in particular is hecka dark. Uh, once again, my bounce board was not big enough. Uh, so I would love to have had more light there, but we had to leave. And, yeah, we just didn't have the time to run back and get the 4x4 bounce, which I think we had already put up. I think that's the reason we didn't use it. I don't know. In hindsight, I would have used a bigger bounce. Uh, so this wasn't so daggum dark. But it looks dark and moody, and I kind of like it for that. And then this is the shot I'm most excited about in the whole commercial. And this is the shot that we planned Spent a lot of time on this shot, and if you compare it to the other shots, this is a shot of Sean, our talent, our client, uh, in front of the not very well-kept orange town hall. They had a gate around it, so we couldn't show it really. Uh, some of the letters were falling off of the building. Thankfully, we had some ND filters that I could drop in for the Ursa Mini, and we just blur everything out as much as possible. But it's a, a close-up headshot, and I did everything I've been told to do to make this look good. So since it was just a headshot, I just used a 4x4 styrofoam bounce, and I had that on camera left. I hope I'm saying that right. And then we had a 4x4 floppy, 
what I'm using, which I'm using here for the contrast. We have that on the other side. If you're looking from the camera, it would kind of V out. And so you'd have the bounce Ving from the lens of the camera out, and then you'd have the neg fill Ving out from the other side of the camera, just so where you can't see both of them, but they're so daggum close to him. If the wider the shot is, the larger those would have to be. So like, if I wanted to get a mid shot, I'd probably want to get the 8x8 uh, bounce and the 8x8 neg, full body shot. You want to get 12x12, which I don't have. But... That's kind of the idea. The bigger bounce you can have, the softer it's gonna be, the more neg you have, the more contrast you're gonna get. And then um, we just had the sun behind him. I tried to light from the same side that the sun was coming from. Uh, it doesn't really look like it in this image, but it was, It was the, we bounced from the same side that the sun was coming from. And it just kind of wraps around his, the light wraps around his face. So it kind of looks natural, even though it is a stylized natural. And uh, I just love the way this turned out. I think in my editor, it was a little bit more saturated and happy looking. And then when I exported it, it kind of lessened the contrast or whatever. But I'm uh, very happy with this, with how this shot turned out. I was freaking out on the day because like, I've always wanted to shoot something like this and no one's ever given me the opportunity. Uh, for At least for the camera movement of the shot, the last thing I'll say is I just did a little bit of parallax. So you had a little bit of 3D motion, which is just sway left to right. Some Another thing I learned from the wedding gigs. But uh, yeah, this was my first lighting breakdown of my own commercial. No, I've done it before on a different commercial didn't really know what I was doing then. I don't know what I'm doing now. So, yeah, it is what it is. Let me know what you thought about this episode. If you would like more of these. Uh, if you wouldn't like more of these. Um, if you appreciate my metaphor of unbleached muslin. But yeah, let me know if you like this type of style thing. Send me a DM. If you'd say, if you found something, you're like, you know what, you explained this incorrectly. Uh, you should change this. I'm open ears because I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to help promote a community which I believe is growing rapidly. Um, what is good lighting? What isn't? Uh, subscribe if that's your thing on either the podcast or the YouTube channel. And I'll try to have more stuff. And have a great day. And peace out, homie.